attracted to each other at the party. That was obvious. You're on your own for the night. That's also obvious. Hello and welcome, welcome back, back to, to Scream 101. 101. Jinx! I'm Brennan. Jinx! Oh, you got me. Yeah, I did. You owe me a soda. Uh, I, I don't think I remember signing the Christian Grey-esque contract in elementary school about like this Jinx system. Whatever. You can't just impose your... You have to abide by the rules of Jinx. Rules you of have jinx to abide by these rules that our forefathers set. We have Says forefathers? <laughs> That's way too many. Says I, Sergio. Okay, anyway. Um, this is the second week of Stalker Month. Um, I still can only think of Stalker Channing jokes when I say that. But You're um, the only one. I know. We will be reviewing 1987's <laughs> Fatal Attraction. But first, let's... Uh, well, we're going to do some 10-word reviews of movies that we watched in the past week. But I am going to remind everybody that our fundraiser is still going on. If you donate $20 or more to the Everytown uh, Foundation for Gun Control, you can choose a movie for me and a rotating panel of co-hosts to review on the podcast. That's that. Let's do 10-word reviews. All right. And before I begin, I just want to make a little announcement. Okay. Um, And that announcement is good job singing Brennan at the Screamies. Oh, thank you. That was a pleasant surprise. I did not okay it. <laughs> I had not listened to it before. And Lord knows it almost caused me to get into a traffic accident on the way here. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. That's okay. that's the highest compliment for a podcast, really. All right. So um, first movie that I'm going to review is Annihilation. All right. A movie that includes Gina Rodriguez and Tessa Thompson. Five stars. Ooh. My review is it's gorgeous and trippy, but too art housey for my taste. Okay. Red Sparrow. Not since Taken has a trashy thriller been this fun. Ooh. And my review is... Provides this uh, provides the shirtless Joel Edgerton I didn't know I needed. You didn't know you needed that. I no, wake up I daily. I wake up daily thinking that I was like, "Where is Joel Edgerton's shirtless role?" No, look, his face, outside of Warrior, his face does not betray to me how hot he is. Really, I kind of like that weird situation he's got going on, like Benedict Cumberbatch, but you know, been kind of looks like he can take a punch. Like stepped on. <laughs> <laughs> like looks like he can like, take a like punch. Like he was sleeping on the floor like my dog, and then you get off the couch and step on his face. Yeah, uh, this is mean. Joel Edgerton is hot. Yeah, um, we're both fans. Yeah, um, if you're listening, hit us up. I'm also a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, so I don't know okay, why that's I'm doing weird. This. Nobody knows. I, I like Benedict. Actually, he's very popular. Talent- he's but talented for, for reasons I cannot fathom. I'm a Cumberbitch. All right, his American accent is trash, though. Whatever. Let's see you do better. I. We need to do the surgery. Okay. So the ah. ritual. I reviewed the ritual. You did. I did not see it. Four bros go on a lad's weekend with bollocks results. Oh. Okay. So is it a really British movie? They are all British. Okay. Um. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Great. I guess we're going to review Fatal Attraction now. <laughs> all right. Um. Here is... Uh, you know, me reading off the back of Paramount's widescreen collection DVD. Oh, so fancy. Um, stylish and sexy, Fatal Attraction took audiences to terrifying new heights with its thrilling story of a casual encounter gone terribly awry. 
This box office smash was nominated for six Academy Awards, really? Okay. Including Best Picture and Best Director, Adrian Lyne, Indecent Proposal, and Flashdance. Michael Douglas plays Dan Gallagher, a New York attorney who has a tryst with seductive Alex Forrest, Glenn Close, while his wife, Ann Archer, is away. Dan later shrugs off the affair as a mistake and considers it over, but Alex won't be ignored. Not now, not tomorrow, not ever, even if it means destroying Dan's family to keep him. I will not be ignored, Jack. Dan. Dan. <laughs> it, that's probably on the AFI's like top 100 years, 100 lists of dialogue or whatever, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I've heard that line quoted many times before. Yeah, like it's such a simple line. I wasn't sure if it was like from this movie or not. Because pretty... I mean, I'm sure there have been people who said I will not be ignored before. Yeah. You know, but this movie really took it and elevated it and yeah. made it creepy. She, I mean, yeah, I mean, Glenn Close is great. Uh, we review all movies on scariness, campiness, FX, and quality. What is your scariness score for Fatal Attraction? Like a three. That's where I'm putting it too. What, 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 what effect did it have on you? Like, what was the most interesting scene to you in terms of scariness? Interesting, you say? Or scariest, shall we say? Or scariest scene? Um, probably when she took the kid. Oh yeah, she she kidnaps their genderqueer child. Ellen. Who is either called Ellen or Alan, and we couldn't tell for a very long time. It's Ellen, the actress who plays her, is named Ellen. Yes. Look, it's this is not a slight on the actress, and also it doesn't matter what gender you are perceived as, because gender is a construct. But um, We both thought it was a little boy for the longest. We did, but it's because they put them in some very forward-thinking 90s shirts that just engulf the whole body. First off, all kids wear those shirts, those big-ass shirts. No, but it, it, was, it felt very 90s, even though this was 87. All kids have very big shirts. That's a weird uh, racist statement you have just made. Okay, whatever. You're um, stereotyping children. Whatever. She kidnaps the kid, and I did not see that coming. Like There were other parts of the movie where I was like, okay, we, we all know what this is going to happen. Because uh, you saw the dog, right? And you were like, do you think she's going she's gonna to kill the dog? I did think that dog was going to get buddied. And I told you, no, hippity hop. Because I knew that... You knew that there was a rabbit coming up. I knew up. there was a rabbit that was gonna die. I didn't know how the rabbit was, which, where the rabbit would come from, whose rabbit it was. Uh-huh. I just, just knew it was gonna die. I just knew it was rabbit season. Yeah, and so like I saw that coming. I saw her. I didn't see her cutting herself. That scene Ooh. actually was probably more effective than the kidnapping. Um, actually, that's the scene I wanted to talk about because okay. I also gave it three out of five screams. Um, again, this is in the. I don't know the the difference between horror and tension is a very delicate line. Mm-hmm. And um, like it's it's an interesting thing with this kind of podcast. It's mainly about scariness, but tension is a little bit different from that. But anyway, there's that scene where basically they've had this beautiful weekend together. She's very like powerful and confident and sexy and seductive, but then she gets real mad when he tries to leave. She's basic. She basically like oh, tries. Yeah. yeah, she tries to kick him out of the apartment. She like screams at him. But then as he's storming out. She calls out coquettishly, like, oh, why don't you come say bye to me the right way? Like, say goodbye kindly. So we end this on a nice note. And he comes over and he kisses her. And she puts her hands on his face, like, tenderly. And as she drags them down, she leaves a trail of blood on his face. Mm. Because she has slit her wrists open in the interim between their conversations. And that's such a horrifying revelation. Yeah. And 
The fact that he does not immediately, well, fix her or take her to the doctor and then run away is a testament to, I guess, their sexual chemistry, which I don't buy, but whatever. Um, but that scene was I bought their terrifying. sexual chemistry. Okay, I, you're right. I just found their sex very unerotic, but we'll talk about that. Okay, okay, yes, we will. Um, yeah, for all the reasons you just mentioned, uh, yeah, when she is like, oh, you're, aren't you going to say goodbye to me? And then she reveals what she did to herself. Oh, it's... Like, you can kind of see blood on his face. So, and I, like, I was like, oh, she got blood from somewhere and she put it well, on him. I thought it was maybe vaginal blood. I, um, I thought, oh, that, that's a weird place to go. I, uh-huh. I thought she was scratching his face because it's uh-huh. kind of like in the shape of fingers. Uh-huh. And I also thought that too at first second, but I was just like, what is it? I did not see at all the fact that she had done that to herself. I was like, wow, she is balls to the wall crazy. Yeah, and that reveal is really powerfully shot and edited mm-hmm. and it's just a creepy scene and she's wearing white and it's a white apartment and does he have his white shirt on or probably yeah it's just it's so like corrupting and just oh it was good yeah very good um i will say um just as a caveat well first of all obviously we're spoiling this movie i think we already i mean the most important thing is that the rabbit dies and we already spoiled that uh-huh. but <laughs> glenn close dies but whatever mm-hmm. Um, I will say that this movie um, is not unproblematic. Um, it's problematic is what I'm saying. Okay, like, so. I mean, it's as much as the the story can be kind of twisted into a sort of feminist angle. Th- there's no way that that's the intention. It's a very misogynistic script and story. Um, it's basically saying that women are crazy and they'll kill your kids and astronaut lady okay um most serial killers are men okay fine. yeah look we can pull all this circumstantial evidence out of our asses that we want um you're right you're right there's no denying that fatal attraction is a misogynistic movie with little sprinkles of racism and homophobia just just oh that's what did it for you huh that that homophobic word it was like oh no no that that was not even the straw that broke the camel's back. It was just throwing straws after the camel's back was already broken. It was lying bleeding in the street, and then they were just chucking more straw at it. Okay. But no, this is. I mean, this is a misogynistic movie. There's no way around it. Okay. Um, if it like applying our modern perception of gender to it is a very dangerous task to do, and I don't think we're necessarily equipped to fully discuss that. Um, th- it is true that she's a very interesting villain. And it is a very scary movie, but the way that it um, interacts with gender is problematic. I just thought I should mention that, you know? Okay. Anyway, very scary. <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Um, yeah, I, I just think, never mind. Um, just the fact that like this female character is portrayed as seductive and then crazy, that's like the only thing that women are allowed to be in scripts written by men, pretty much. Um, but whatever, what's no, your that's, campiness That's score? a fair point to make. Yeah. Um, uh, my campiness score two. Uh, I don't think it was that campy. I'm sure you're gonna come up with things because you have better memory than me. I do. I love campiness. I write them all down. I'm probably gonna give it a two as well, though. Okay, because yeah, I don't think anything was super campy. Um, well, look, there are two through lines to these movies that I've noticed so far. First of all, is if you get a pet, it's gonna die. Yeah. Second of all, the there's crazy hair on the women in these movies. <laughs> We've both seen movies from like. 80s 90s though it was a bad time for hair it was but glenn close looks like she's wearing a curly broom on her head um i thought her hair was fine okay it's just like it's a lot it's elaborate 
It was very, it was very eighties. You know, uh, look, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just a campy thing. Okay. Like looking back on old fashions is always a ridiculous task. You're right. You're right. Okay, you are sorry. I don't know. You uh, never mind. Um, what's happening? Campiness. Campiness. Oh, I wanted to talk about their terribly unsexy sex in the sink. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> The idea is it's that like really sexy thing where they're so into each other that they're not noticing the destruction they cause, like sweeping everything off the counters or whatever. But then they like she's in the sink and he's like out, you know, penetrating her, I guess. And then, you know, this is <laughs> and they're having a good time. This is a podcast for grownups. Um, but so then the, the faucet turns on and then they both grab some of the water and start rubbing it all over each other's faces. And I'm like, is this what straight people do? Because this is insane. It is insane. I think it was just to display the fact that they were both kind of lost in the moment and like sex can be uninhibited. And yeah, they were just going like going with the flow. Yeah, just really just not making sense. <laughs> I get uh, yeah. Um honestly that faucet is the strongest visual metaphor in the movie mm-hmm. because it always represents her passion overflowing. Uh-huh. Um like at different moments for different reasons. Um so I liked that, but them rubbing the water all over <laughs> themselves is crazy. Yeah, and then she's wiping it on her and then she was using it as a guiding force for his tongue. Uh-huh. Well the the fact that she used it to like wet her boobs, uh-huh. I can see that being sexy uh-huh. cuz like your your blouse becomes clear and wet t-shirt contests and all that. But they uh-huh. were just like rubbing water on each other's faces like it was sunblock. Oh, they're going to get sweaty anyway. Why not cool down? I guess. No, you're no, you're completely right with that. That scene was crazy. Who has ever had sex in a sink like that? There's a perfectly good uh, perfectly good counter right behind them. Yeah. Them to have engaged in it is messy. Yeah, it's very messy. And one more thing I wanted to mention is after the uh, Ellen, the daughter Ellen's rabbit gets boiled in a soup, which they should have just eaten it. Like that's a waste. Of, that's a waste of good rabbit. Um, have you ever eaten rabbit? No, but people do in the frontiers and whatnot. Well, they're from New York. They're not gonna know what to make with that rabbit stew. Just throw in some carrots. They're city folk. They go out of the way to establish the fact that they're city folk. No, you're right. You don't know anything about go rabbit. Uh, fine, you're right. Um. No, but after after the rabbit dies, it cuts to the next scene, and there's two gerbils in a cage behind the daughter, and I just like that really silent cut of like, oh, we had to scrape together this replacement pet really fast. Although, if you went for, for gerbils, you could go for a rabbit again. No, you totally could, but I think that would be too traumatizing. Although, like like you said, they could have pretended that the rabbit ran away and just got yeah. her a new rabbit because who can tell the difference between rabbits? Exactly. She doesn't need to have seen the rabbit in the stew and be like, this is what happened to your bunny daughter. Sorry. I think they might have shown it to her because she was very she, traumatized. Yeah. Those some terrible parents. Yeah, that's messed up. Like, look what you did. Yeah, maybe Glenn Close was doing them a favor by abducting their daughter. Because she was a sociopath? Well, she wouldn't have shown the daughter the rabbit is what I'm saying. Oh, you're right. She's a better mom. Yeah. Good she, point. She hid that rabbit in a stew out of the child's reach. The child could not have reached up to that stove That's to have seen point. the dead rabbit. You're so right. Uh clothes for mom of the year. I'm going to send her a card on Mother's Day. Be like, great job in Fatal Attraction yes. from Brennan. What's your FX score? Two. Okay. I'm giving, yeah, I'm giving it a two <laughs> as well. These um, movies are very different than our normal. They really are. I mean, ooh. There was one sequence. Oh, I forgot to mention this in scariness. 
Um, the final scene is actually really great when Glenn Close is attacking the wife in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like the way that it builds is just really expert in creating tension between cross cutting. Like she shows up in the mist of the mirror and she has a knife and she's talking all crazy to the wife and she's kind of picking at the seams on her dress with a knife that she's carrying. Mm -hmm. And she slowly starts to like dig into her own leg and starts to bleed. Mm -hmm. And as the blood drips onto her feet, the like the bathtub that's being filled starts to overflow onto the floor and the kettle downstairs starts to whistle so you can't hear the wife screams but the water is coming through the ceiling and they're like when's he gonna notice Mm -hmm. and it's just like all of this stuff boiling over and the dripping and it's so gross and interesting it was a great scene Mm -hmm. Uh, i was just thinking about that blood um of when her knife sticking into the leg um that's an effect score but also that scene's just that's a great piece of cinema this movie i would argue is not mm-hmm. as a whole but there are some the tension scenes uh-huh. are spectacular uh-huh. oh yeah i would disagree with your claim that the overall movie wasn't good okay um i found it to be very enjoyable um for some of the reasons that you mentioned even though the effects to me were kind of not really there yeah, um which is fair in this genre uh-huh the overall effect of you know being uncomfortable while watching it having a certain unease with what it is that you're seeing on screen like the this disintegration of this woman that you thought was like complete uh-huh. uh and the because you did remark on her confidence and like clarity early on yeah because like just to go back to what i mentioned earlier like i disagreed with you uh when you said that you didn't find their sex sexy or that you found even them sexy i thought that you know she was a woman in charge and that is something that is appealing to a lot of people like this idea that she is independent and does not need to be satisfied like when this woman shows interest in you like that's kind of like a mind fuck and it's arousing so and i think like in every man a man who's kind of just you know going through the humdrum of life like he would have reason to find that attractive okay yeah and he is frustrated with his life he doesn't get to have sex with his wife because the kid keeps walking in Mm -hmm. and And here's this woman with no kid you know her own place her own life she's a nice you know vacation yeah uh, but overall, yeah, going back to what I was mentioning, uh, the rant I was on earlier, like the unease that is created by it is what makes this movie worth watching. And it's kind of what we're going to be getting. Like, I don't know if we should be grading these movies on the, our same scales because they're entirely different features. Well, yeah, I mean, the I mean, the effect scale, that's just like a kind of a vestigial part of this podcast in mm-hmm. certain subgenres that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the scale of overall quality, I think I can shift for these things. I'm not like, oh, there's no gore. I'm going to rate it lower. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, coming to that, what is your overall quality score for Fatal Attraction? I give it a four. Okay, I was sur- I would have been surprised by that if not for the monologue you just went on. Yeah, like I I am a little surprised though because I there were parts where my attention was starting to fade a little bit, and I mm-hmm. thought you were kind of feeling the same way, but mm-hmm. I guess not. No, I found it really good. Um, I found Glenn Close to be captivating. Uh-huh. Um. I found her to be crazy, to be batshit crazy. I did take offense a little bit earlier, like kind of like personal offense because I did enjoy the movie when you were like, oh, this movie's like problematic or whatever. And I was like, okay, he's right. Uh, like, no, I mean, look, if, if we dismiss everything that is problematic mm-hmm. as like not art, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have mm-hmm. any art from the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this is a worthless object, uh-huh. 
because it is problematic. Yeah. But I was See, that's what out. I was hearing. That's what okay. I was hearing. Um, so, like, as uh, you were discussing and I was thinking in my mind, you know, it's like digesting what you had just said because we had not mentioned that point at uh-huh. all before. Um, I was like, okay, he's right. Like, this woman was complete. Like, we had not seen her, like, any indication that she wasn't, like, unwell or uh-huh. whatever. And, like, movies now would kind of show you some of those things beforehand. Like, uh, we just saw, well, we just didn't see, but we saw a couple months ago, Happy Death Day. Uh-huh. Not to spoil anything, but the eventual killer, while surprising, like, the clues were there the entire time. Uh-huh. So, like, I can't give you, like, a one-for-one how that translates, but you you do want to reveal, at least a little bit at the beginning, like, this woman that is sexy is not all there. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, it is a very major shift, and it, it's just kind of in a, like, archetype of, like, the harpy or the siren who mm-hmm. seduces you and leads you to your doom. Mm-hmm. And that's a little unfair of like, I think there is a reading of this movie of Glenn Close's character. Like the things that she's saying are very reasonable. Yeah. Um, the things that she's doing are crazy movie villainy mm-hmm. things. But what she's saying is you can't just use me for sex and throw me away. Like it never existed, mm-hmm. especially because she becomes pregnant as a result of their affair. Mm hmm. Or at least she claims to be, but there's a doctor that backs her up, so we... Uh, we never really know, because what kind of doctor is going to reveal that kind of private information over the phone? Yeah, I don't know about that. I assume she just put on a mustache and a fake voice and was like, oh, yes, uh, she's very pregnant, uh-huh. full of babies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you're right. And now that you mention it, one of the things in this play, play this <laughs> movie that they talk about is the opera Madame Butterfly. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like a quote-unquote problematic opera, because... Uh, not to spoil Madame Butterfly, but... I, th- I think we can be safe in spoiling an opera. Um, uh, The Asian woman that falls in love with, you know, this uh, Western soldier, like, kills uh-huh. herself in the end. And uh, that's a very problematic story. Yeah. As I have since learned after I read M. Butterfly, but Henry, Henry David Huang, that says uh-huh. that, that story is just kind of like the Western uh, fantasy that this woman is so in love with you that she kills herself. Uh-huh. And... If that, like, you, you can own this person in a way. Mm-hmm. And if you accept Henry David Hoying's criticism of uh, Madame Butterfly, then you kind of have to accept what you were mentioning earlier about this movie. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that... I mean, I'll, I'm just repeating myself, I guess. That doesn't diminish the uh, ability that Glenn Close has in this role. Uh-huh. And, honestly, I was on her side for most of it because I was like, yeah, Michael Douglas sucks. He used you and he threw you away. And I think that... There was some sort of implication that this wasn't going to last forever that Uh she should have picked up on. Uh But he did – he wasn't treating her well. Uh Like he he was expecting her to give him a lot of things without anything in return. That's a fair assessment, I guess, to make. Um, I will disagree with you in that I think like whenever you – are with involved with married men you know that they're not going to leave their wives for you okay i mean that's true they're in their families more importantly that like you are just a distraction uh-huh. you're very available um you may ruin his family and his life you know uh but i don't think he will leave him that situation uh-huh. for you no there's no denying that this character is a crazy person okay like that's not that's we're that's not anything i'm arguing uh-huh. against um but a lot of the things that she says are relatable in a more common register if it wasn't such a crazy heightened story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the things about, like, I won't be ignored. Like, you made me pregnant and you don't want anything to do with it, but now I'm 
supposed to be stuck with this for the mm-hmm. rest of my life yeah because of you like it, it's an interest it would be a more interesting uh dichotomy in a movie that knew what it was doing in terms of gender relationships uh-huh. and actually like explored it um but yeah I, I think it's there in a kind of like pupative state like a very basic like you can totally dig in to discuss it but it's not really something the movie cares about yeah and I mean if that shows what it was at the time you know yeah no for sure it was context <laughs> yeah the 80s um yeah and my quality I didn't say I'm giving it 3 out of 5 unlucky stars I um, gave oh yeah, I gave it 4 yeah, yeah yeah like I said I, I, I found um certain tension scenes were very very powerful and I really engaged with them, but I found them to be a bit few and far between and mm-hmm. not a lot happened in mm-hmm. the meantime. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of a uh, random plot unspooling mm-hmm. and Michael Douglas talking to Herman Munster for mm-hmm. like two scenes. Uh, it was a bit long for the tension to hold all the way through. I will agree to that. Um, but, but I did enjoy it overall. Yeah. I it mean, it was no um, red sparrow. I should of say. Of course not. Nothing is. What would you say is your preference between this and single white female? What? Why did I like this one more than that one? Oh, I was gonna ask which one you liked more, but this one you liked more. Uh huh. Um, and why? Yeah, why? Uh-huh. Well, I mean, when you say what is your preference, like, is that what you were asking? Yeah, like which did you prefer? Okay, okay, then yeah, um, this one. Uh, okay, and, and why? And why? Probably because there was more to lose here. I think. Um, okay. Because if she lost Steven Weber, that was actually, like, a boon to her because he was terrible. Uh-huh. I just never really bought that relationship, even though I guess single white female did have a higher body count. Um, and you could say that, you know, she was more lethal than Glenn Close was. That is true. This fatal attraction for the first hour and 45 minutes mm-hmm. of this movie, I was like, this could just be called attraction. Mm-hmm. No one is dying. <laughs> uh-huh. I felt like that one was almost more comical than uh, this one was. Yeah. Because just because it was kind of crazy, I was like, okay, come on. You have to start noticing that something's wrong with her. Uh-huh. Uh, like, it seems like you're willfully blind at that at this point. Uh, versus Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Like, Glenn Close was really subtle with what she was doing. And it was just like, at first, it was just affecting him. Like, yeah. his car, the bunny. And then eventually, it was like, uh, you know, like, the wife gets mad at him. And she's like, it ups the ante, is what I'm saying. No, you're totally right. Um, and more believable. Yeah, and let's just say Single White Female was not nominated for any Oscars, as far as I know. Like, yeah. it, it's a different level of movie, or at least uh, mm-hmm. the general caliber, like TV actors versus Oscar people and general stuff like that. I uh-huh. did enjoy Single White Female more because it was more trashy and more fun. Yeah. Um, but I think as a work of cinema, this one's a little more on the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. Um, uh, I'll tell you what we're watching next week, but first, here's how you can contact us. You can find us on Twitter at Scream101Pod. You can find us on Facebook at Scream101Podcast. Email us at Scream101Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. Uh, and if you give us a five-star review, you could get a digital download code of the hit film Cult of Chucky. Um, do you want to know what we're watching next week? Tell me. We're returning to the fabled year of 1992 that gave us single white female to watch the hand that rocked the cradle which is about an evil stalker nanny yeah and julianne moore has a role in it i don't she know does? how big it is i was looking at the imdb page today what year was this movie again 92 i don't think she's blown up yet i think her big role was um in that porn movie the lost world no that's not a porn movie she was in a porn movie i think she was in that movie with uh Deep marky Throat. mark uh 
Renaissance Man? Boogie Nights. I think she was in Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. That, that porn movie. I thought you meant like an actual pornographic film, no. and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. No, I'm sorry. That's okay. Anyway, um, that's what all that is. Our theme song is A Beat For You by Pseudo Echo. Check them out. They are great. They have an awesome YouTube. Great. Bye. <laughs> good luck on your journey. All right, good luck, everybody. And stay gold. Peace. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. Hi, I'm Brennan. And I'm Dave. And we are the co-hosts of Cast Party. It's a freewheeling pop culture conversation. I am an online media mogul. And I'm not. I'm a drama teacher. Yes. In fact, my drama teacher. We kind of transplant the conversations that we have every time we hang out and do a podcast, and we hope you like it. Check it out. Enjoy. At podpeople.me. That was was really fun and not awkward at all. (laughs) Bye.